The only purpose for his life could be to serve as a warning to others. It's the Drew Marshall Show. Well, folks, uh, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live on drewmarshall.ca and live here in southern Ontario on Joy 1250. We cover a six million market here in the Toronto area, believe it or not, and we have about 150 countries listening in online. I have no idea why people keep tuning into this show. Maybe it's because of our next guest. Tony Ortega is the author of The Unbreakable Miss Lovely, How the Church of Scientology Tried to Destroy Paulette Cooper. And also joining Tony on the phone is the one and only Paulette Cooper, who is an award-winning journalist and author of The Scandal of Scientology. We've got a lot to cover. I want to welcome both of them to the show. You guys have been touring California. Are you in California right now, Tony? We're in San Francisco. We just uh, finished up the last of our events on this uh, week-long tour. You guys must be exhausted. Paulette, how are you holding up? Oh, fine. It's been nine days. I look forward to getting back to Florida. I've never heard anyone say that before. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I have friends that live out there, and they they love the place. But how long have you been in Florida for, Paulette? How many years now? Last ten years. Okay, good. Do you miss the winters of New York? Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) That's why we all moved. Good, good. Well, Tony, listen... um, Boy, there really is so much to cover, and let's just start off by me sucking up a little bit. First of all, everybody that I've talked to in the world of, hey, let's talk about Scientology, says that your website is the website to go to. If anybody wants to know anything about Scientology, they should go to your website. How does that make you feel? you got to be proud about that. You've worked pretty stinking hard on this thing for a long time. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's the Underground Bunker. It's TonyOrtega.org. I've been writing about Scientology for 20 years, but about four years ago, I decided that it would be a good subject for a daily website. And so that's, I think, what has set it apart, is that there's something about Scientology, and usually something you've never seen anywhere else, there every single morning. And it's built up a huge community of people that really know their stuff. I mean, I've worked hard to report the news, but the people in the comments section are brilliant. I mean, we have people that were in Scientology for 30 years, real experts on L. Ron Hubbard and the technology. So it's not just me reporting things. The discussion is what really sets it apart. Well, let's talk about uh, this this book of yours, The Unbreakable, Miss Lovely, How the Church of Scientology Tried to Destroy Paulette Cooper. Let me give you the uh, our folks a synopsis, and then we'll dive into it. In 1971, Paulette Cooper wrote a scathing book about the Church of Scientology. Uh, desperate to shut the book down, Scientology unleashed on her one of the most sinister personal campaigns the free world has ever known. The onslaught, which lasted years, drove her to the brink of suicide. The story of Paulette's terrifying ordeal is told in full for the first time in The Unbreakable Miss Lovely. It reveals the shocking details of the darkest chapter in Scientology's checkered history, which ended with senior members in prison and the organization's reputation permanently damaged. Um, the, the reality is, and Paulette, I'll, I'll just get you to jump in on this, this whole thing consumed your life so let me ask you if it still consumes your life no it doesn't because for one thing if people want to read things about let's say against Scientology they go to Tony's blog so he has taken over where I left it but I was the first person for 15 years who continued to try to expose Scientology so are you still speaking out? I mean, you're on this tour, you, you know, you, you seem to be active in the, hey, everyone, Scientology is, is nuts, stay away from it kind of thing. Are, are you still active speaking out about it? Well, I'm active speaking out about the book, 
generally I have moved on to other articles and other books, but I think that Scientology still needs exposing, so I am helping him on this tour. Okay, are they still hassling you? Not yet. <laughs> are you expecting it? They traditionally have always gone after people who have tried to expose them. They've gone after Tony, they've gone after almost everybody, so will I have problems? Yes, but maybe I'll be back in Florida working on my next book by that time. <laughs> okay, no. all right. Um, will they come after me, Tony? Uh, probably not. I mean, they're spread pretty thin right now. They they still have their legendary retaliation apparatus. Today it's called the Office of Special Affairs. When it was uh, when they were going after Paulette, it was called the Guardian's Office, and they still do um, surveil and harass. Particularly, it's particularly former Scientologists that get it the worst today. People like Marty Rathbun and Mike Linder, who were top executives, left in the mid 2000s and started speaking out. They they suffer constant harassment and surveillance. But there, you know, since the rise of Anonymous in 2008, there are so many people keeping an eye. On Scientology, it's difficult for them to go after everybody. Um, since the film going clear, I've seen a lot of increased activity, particularly against the people that were in that movie. But huh. I, I would, uh, you know, if you're just doing one radio show or one, you know, TV appearance, I, I doubt that you'll hear anything from them at all. Um, yeah, I was. I've often wondered about the leveling ground of the internet, the fact that we all have a voice now. Uh, and if that's had any impact on, on um, you know, sort of the covert uh, harassment activities of Scientology. Paulette, what do you think? Absolutely made a tremendous difference because it's not covert anymore. What happens is that they do something terrible to somebody who tried to speak out, and instantly it is all over the Internet. So that's been very helpful. When I was exposing them back in the 70s, there was no Internet. So somebody needed to know everything that was going on so they could help all the different people who were hurting. And unfortunately, I was the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, Paulette, you said that the crux of Scientology, their e-meter, which uh, they say acts like a lie detector, produced questionable results, that Hubbard had lied about his credentials, that Charles Manson had called himself a Scientologist, you even put the picture of Charles Manson, or a picture of Charles Manson, on the back of the book. Uh, some auditors had behaved improperly toward their parishioners, that some who left may have feared being blackmailed, that some defectors claimed that they had been psychologically damaged by Scientology, uh, financially ripped off and or hassled uh, when they tried to leave or speak out. Um, I guess that's why they didn't like you, or was it the fact that you, you mentioned something about uh, L. Ron Hubbard's uh, polygamist thing, or or was it the Charles Manson on the back of the book, or was it the fact that you were a woman back in the day? All I mean, of the above, all, all of the above, and you know, it's what's scary a little bit is that a lot of this is still going on in this uh, TV show we're talking about. Going clear, they discussed how people would tell what they thought were confidential secrets to their auditors. And then if they wanted to leave the church, they were they would take these things out and and tell them about it so that people might be afraid that it would become public. I mean, can you imagine going to your priest and confessing things and not knowing that it's being recorded? And if you want to leave the church, having them say, well, you know, you've got a problem with this or that. It's a very subtle, just be quiet if you leave. I mean, it's just shocking. It's still going on. I wrote about it 
40 years ago. <laughs> wow. By the way, I know that there have been, well, let's just clarify this. How many lawsuits did they bring out against you? They sued me 19 times. <laughs> all over all over the world, they sued me for other people's books. There were families that tried to get their kids out of Scientology and read my book, and they sued me, and I had to defend all of these suits. Now, on the positive side, you're saying, you know, do they still harass people? They have not been suing because, I believe, because of the Internet, and that is that when there are depositions, when there are revelations, suddenly everybody's reading these things. It's no longer secret, and so it's backfiring on them. So they realize that this is not a good policy. But there were some... Was there not a moment or two where there were some settlements with you, Paulette? Well, that was in the end when I saw that other people were finally jumping in and doing what I was doing. I felt that I could go and live a more normal life than one as an activist. Right. But a a settlement, uh, you know, as an outsider, that sounds like, okay, you promise to not say anything anymore and they give you cash. Well, you know, I'm not supposed to discuss the settlement, but if I wasn't supposed to say anything that was in the contract, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Okay. Have they ever apologized? No. But a few individuals have. Really? For example, example, there was one guy in Michigan who went around, his job was to to steal copies of The Scandal of Scientology, my book, out of every single library in Michigan. And he came and apologized to me, but by that point he was a lawyer, and I thought he probably had more to apologize to a lot of people. That's funny. Um, uh, Tony, I want to talk to you about The Master which was a movie that was not about Scientology. <laughs> um, did you... What, what were your thoughts on that movie, first of all? Well, I, I, got a, I got a copy of the script before the movie came out, and I got a good chance to see what uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was doing. Um, and the script was terrific. It was funny, acerbic. It made fun of Scientology on every other page. Um and what Anderson was doing, he was really interested in a particular period of Scientology history that not that many people know. And that was when the Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard first came out with Dianetics. He pitched it as a science. He claimed that he had been the first to understand how the human mind works and that we are affected as adults by traumatic things that happen to us in the womb. And so the early Dianetics clubs were all about people trying to remember what they had been through as a fetus. And um, it was they show that briefly in the movie The Master. Um, then what happened was it all fell apart about a year later. Hubbard was bankrupt. Dianetics was bankrupt. He wanted to start over again in Phoenix in 1952, and he had to come up with a new name because Dianetics, the name was in litigation. And so he, that's why he came up with the name Scientology. And second of all, they, the people that were sticking with him weren't satisfied only to go back to the womb, They wanted to go back to past lives. So that's the difference between Dianetics, memories in the womb, and Scientology, which is memories from past lives. And Anderson, in the movie, what you're seeing in the movie The Master is him dramatizing that moment when some of the people don't want to come with him Hmm. on that journey. And so the Laura Dern character, for example, is dismayed that he's getting away from what they thought was a science into something that was more fantasy. Uh, You know... I, I can't imagine many people would think that even that period was even worth a movie. But uh, like I said, the, the script was fantastic. Unfortunately, I think it took him so many years to get the actress in front of a camera, he sort of lost his fervor for that. 
and Joaquin Phoenix, he just like put him on a camera and let him go. And what you see on the screen is really different than what was in the script. And I think it ended up being a very arty film that not you know that's difficult for some people to sit through. Mm. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure I saw it at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival a couple of years ago, and um, and then now listen, I am not saying what you think I'm about to say or when you hear what I'm saying. And anyway, let me just say it, and then we'll call my lawyers afterwards. Um, have you heard anybody online, or have you even talked about any correlation, possible correlation? And I'm not a conspiracy guy whatsoever. When people come to me with conspiracy theories, I usually kind of roll my eyes internally, smile and nod, and then leave the conversation as soon as possible. So, do you do you think there's any correlation, or have you heard of anybody talking about a correlation between the death of Philip Seymour Hoffman and his role in The Master just before that? Well, you know, it's natural for people to wonder about that. I mean, here was a guy who was one of our greatest actors who seemed to be making one great film after another. He portrays an analog of L. Ron Hubbard, whose name was Lancaster Dodd, in the film, and then suddenly he drops dead of heroin abuse. Now, I, I guess it had been well known that he'd struggled with drug abuse for a long time. Sure, but if you're going to kill um, someone, that's how, you, that's, how you, that's how it happens. Well, it was just very natural. I knew people were going to raise that question, and I, and I did my best to see if there was any anything... Uh, to that, but I just didn't find anything no. okay. uh, to that. And, you know, I just think that this was a guy with a serious problem who died the way many people do who have that problem. Yep, yep. And, I, and, and please, folks who are listening right now, please understand, I'm not suggesting this, but I know that there have been people, I've had these conversations with people, and if we're talking about an organization that has had a history of tracking down people and hassling people and, you know, wanting them to kill themselves, right? I mean, that's what they wanted with you, Paulette. That's correct. Yeah, they even criminally framed me and had me arrested, wrote themselves bomb threats, called the FBI, had me arrested, and the goal was to try to get me either in jail or a mental institution so that I would lose my credibility. Or up on the roof with your roommate. that's right. My roommate turned out to be a Scientologist. Secretly, I had no idea, of course, that the man I was living with for four months was actually reporting to them on a daily basis wow. during a period of, you know, during the period of time that I was undergoing terrible, terrible harassment and was quite depressed. Okay, um, Tony, I've got to say, you know, as a guy who's done this show for 12 years, I've heard all angles of all stories, especially in the world of faith and religion and cults. Um, I have not been a Scientologist. I don't have family members who are Scientologists. This is all hearsay, as far as I'm concerned. I know there are court documents saying this, that, and the other thing. But the only exposure I've had to Scientology is when I've had the president of Scientology Canada on the show in studio here. And what a lovely lady. I very much enjoyed the interview. She invited me to L. Ron Hubbard's 100th birthday party in Toronto, to which I went. I kind of went late, and I'm glad I did because it was really long and really, and I'm too ADD to sit anywhere that long. And it was a little robotic and a little stand and applause on cue kind of thing. And there was a Tom Cruise video, and then there was, I don't know. Anyway, and I was schmoozing and meeting with people. But my point is, my only uh, uh, connection or exposure to Scientology has been a pleasant one. Were they just sucking up to me because I have a microphone? No, I mean, you know, the people who the people who leave Scientology are also lovely people. I mean, these are people who generally get into this organization because they want to improve themselves and improve the world. 
and they have the best of intentions. But what you know, Lawrence Wright and Alex Gibney do such a good job exploring the film is that just you know when you go into it with that kind of a uh, you know goal, and there are things about early the early processes of Scientology that seem to work and are very pleasant, but uh, you know from the beginning these folks are told that everything good in their life comes from Scientology and everything bad in their life is their own fault and they push that indoctrination to such an extreme that they're willing to rip apart their own families um, you know, do things to people like they did to Paulette all in the name of this group that they believe are the only ones with the correct answer and as, as, as Lawrence Wright uh, characterized it, he said it's a crushing certainty and it becomes a prison of belief and so, yes, there are pleasant people who often have the best of intentions, but then because they're convinced Scientology has all the answers, they're capable of outrageous behavior because they believe that they're always in the right. So, right. Um, you know, also keep in mind, Scientologists like the one you met will tell you a lot of uh, pretty things about Scientology, but you can never get them to actually discuss what Scientology is. Right. Well, hold, hold on, because I, I, that's yeah, one thing I yeah. really want to, I actually want you to, to let me know about. Um, yeah. But uh, but I also want to point out that I just went on to Scientology.ca, which I believe is the one for Canada, and um, and I assigned for me, so when somebody sends me an email and says, hey, we want to come on your show, or we want to advertise with you, or whatever, I will go to the website, and if I don't see a phone number on the website... I have nothing to do with those people. If I can't get you through normal human telephone connection, then I think you're weird. Yeah. Now, I don't have a telephone number at my website, and I am weird. But my issue is that last week I had Rain Wilson on and, uh, from The Office. He played Dwight, and he's a Baha'i. Now, when I called the local Baha'i temple, I called the local Baha'i temple. I called the Baha'i headquarters. I was able to talk to a human being. You can't do that with Scientology, at least not through the website I was on. Am I missing something? Why Why is this? It just seems suspect to me. No, well, you know, L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology are all about information control, and you're, you're bumping into a little bit of that. I mean, this is one of the points I made in the movie Going Clear, is that as far as Christianity is concerned, or Judaism, or Islam, or Baha'i, it, it doesn't take very long for you to research and find out everything about it, and they're very open about it. How much does it cost to, to you know, purchase a copy of the Bible? And, and learn thoroughly what they're all about. Or steal they're one from a hotel open. room. They're very <laughs> open about it. But the Scientology is the opposite. They do not want you to know more than they want you to know at any given time. So nobody in Scientology is going to tell you up front that once you're several years in and you've given several hundred thousand dollars, that the pursuit of Scientology becomes a kind of modern-day exorcism. You're using this little device called an e-meter to drive off invisible alien souls that are attached to you. Um, at, at several hundred dollars an hour. That is what upper-level Scientologists do. It's, there's no question about it. We have these um, uh, materials that they use. We have the accounts from former Scientologists. There's no question that that's what Tom Cruise and John Travolta and Kirstie Alley are paying for, to drive away these invisible alien souls. Now, they, but see, they know they could never get people to join if they were upfront about that. And that's why they have, everything is such a secret. So sure, you can go to one of their events, and meet their president, and they can say nice things about L. Ron Hubbard, but they're never going to tell you what are in those processes because it's just, you know, the information control is absolute in Scientology. 
Okay, let me just bring people up to speed again who just tuned in. Folks, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca, and we're covering Southern Ontario on Joy 1250. We're on the phone with Tony Ortega. He is the author of The Unbreakable Miss Lovely, How the Church of Scientology Tried to Destroy Paulette Cooper. You can get that book pretty much anywhere these days. Uh, just released when, Tony? Last week. There you go. TonyOrtega.org is a great site to go to. That'll tell you everything about him and his blog and everything else. And uh, Paulette Cooper is also on the phone with us. She's the subject of this book, but she is also an award-winning journalist and the author of the book that kind of started it all, The Scandal of Scientology. I guess it was an article that started it all. Is that is that right? Yes. I'd also like to mention that there is a family in Sutton, West Ontario, named the McLeans, and they all were Scientologists, and they came out en masse, and they have been speaking out also for years all over Canada, and were mostly sued and harassed. So it's not just the United States. It's in Canada. Despite the fact that that woman seemed lovely, and I'm sure she was a Scientologist, (laughs) but the treatment of critics has been beyond lovely. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that even Canadians are suing because, uh, you know, we know you guys like to sue each other. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, sued, uh, uh, they sued this family multiply, and they had spoken out also within 40 years. Um, Paulette, let me ask you some, I don't know, some questions that were floating through my head. You know, I'm thinking about the way my mom raised me. My mom said, when it comes to bullies, just ignore them. They'll go away. Not not, uh, not necessarily. When people think that theirs is the only truth and that they have to stop all other truths, then people do have to speak out. Yeah. I mean, I am paying a little tribute to my mom because she's, she's been gone a number of years. But as I think about how, my, how I raised my own son, he was having a problem with a bully across the street, Cosmo. Great name for a bully. And and Cosmo was about a foot shorter than he was. They were about six or seven years old. And I told my son, from now on, next time he does that, you take both your fists, bring them back to your armpits, and then drive them into his chest. He did that once, and they became best friends. Oh, good. Okay. Well, with Scientology, when they do, you know, harassment and very bad things, you really have to speak out and expose it, because otherwise people get away with things and they just get worse. But Tony, who cares if there's a pseudo-religious group out there ripping people off? Yeah, that, that's that been there, it will be there, that thing, it's just part of, of uh, it's a byproduct of living in a democracy. Well, I think that what, what makes it uh, worse is that they're bullies picking on, you know, former members, they're ripping apart families, for decades they were forcing young women to have abortion. But what makes it all so much worse is they're doing it with our money. They're, they're tax-exempt in the United States. They benefit from the largesse of the, popu- you know, the public of the United States. And, you know, it's just very obnoxious that they're able to get away with all these things, and essentially they're subsidized by the taxpayers of this country. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that would kind of bug me. That nonprofit thing drives me nuts. It drives me nuts in regards to most religions. Up here in Canada, we have the Catholic School Board that is funded by taxpayers. Uh, and then when the Catholic School Board doesn't want to do stuff that the rest of the world does, um, it's a bit of a problem because they're 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 paid by uh, paid for by our tax dollars. Um, so those those sorts of things do drive me a little a little bonkers. If the campaign Paulette against you by Scientology was the worst 
on record. And would you say, Tony, that would be true? Oh, yeah, no question. Okay, then who is the second worst, Paulette? An attorney who kind of took over when I was able to finally move on named Michael Flynn. And they sued him multiply. He had a plane, and the gasoline somehow or other was taken out and water was put in. They did terrible, terrible things to him. I would, I would say another candidate for number two is a man who lives in Canada. His name is Jerry Armstrong. Jerry oh, yeah. was a guy who, who, who was a Scientologist who discovered an archive of, of L. Ron Hubbard's personal papers, which um, he realized proved that most of what they were saying about him was untrue. And when he tried to get his own superiors to say, hey, let's correct the record, they excommunicated him and then sued him. And the legal moves made against him are some of the worst against anyone. He had to leave California and seek refuge in British Columbia, and he's been there ever since. I mean, many years, uh, they've really worked hard to destroy him. I think, you know, the, the mantle kind of passed from Paulette to Jerry. Uh, and there are other people today, they um, go after these former top executives, as I mentioned, and Marty Rathbun's probably been, a guy named Marty Rathbun has probably been getting the worst of it in recent years. Now, both of you are coming up to Toronto soon, I believe, to the Getting Clear Conference. Yes. June 22nd to 26th. We're going to be appearing on the morning of June 23rd, um, and I think we're also going to have a book signing on the evening of the 22nd. I'll be putting more information about that at our website, uh, TonyOrtega.org. Okay, this is the Get- Getting Clear Conferences at the Sheraton Toronto Airport Hotel and Conference Center, June 22nd to 26th, 350 bucks USA for all five days, which is pretty crazy. That's a good deal. 75 bucks per day if you can't make the whole thing. You choose a day you want to go to and go to it, 75 bucks. GettingClear.co is the website to uh, check out. Boy, the, the number of, this must be the biggest gathering of Scientology busters in the world, would you say? It's an amazing uh, list of people that have been put together by uh, Tyndale University uh, professor Jim Beverly and John Atak, who's probably the premier Scientology historian. And it's really uh, John's sort of swan song. He wanted to put together this conference before he retires. And so um, every day has amazing speakers. This is much more than just like a book signing for when Paulette and I are there. It's, it's very much a serious academic conference. There's going to be um, uh, journalists, professors, lots of ex-Scientologists, and really the key people like that, Jerry Armstrong I just mentioned, hmm. will be speaking one evening. Paul Ike Cooper will be there, Tony Ortega, uh, eminent biographer Russell Miller, author of Barefaced Messiah. Best book ever written about L. Ron Hubbard. It's a masterpiece. It, it totally holds up. It's, it's a page-turner. It's barely believable. Um, when Jerry Armstrong brought those documents out about Hubbard, Russell Miller turned it into a fantastic book about Hubbard's entire history. And um, it's, it's, it was tough to find in some countries. It's been recently republished by the same person who published my book, Silvertail Books, in London. Um, the Canadian National Headquarters is apparently going to rival the, the big uh, outfit in Florida. Which, by the way, how far are you from that, Paulette? Not far enough. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Anyway, the Canadian—I don't know what they—what they call it. It's not the temple. It's not the, the, the. the I don't know. Anyway, the big headquarters. I think they, I think they call it an advanced org. Okay. Well, the big thing that they're building—that's the Canadian Scientology headquarters—is uh, right near my place, out in the country. Uh, I used to work across the road from it at Hockley Valley Resort. Beautiful place. 
And I am pretty sure, because I'm very aware of the area, my family was one of the founding families of the area, that nobody cares, nobody knows, and um, and I, I gather from you folks we should care quite deeply that they're building the headquarters uh, 10 minutes from well, my house. It's very strange that they're doing this. They're doing the same thing in Australia, and there's no reason for it. They, an advanced org is the only place where you can get some of that high-level alien exorcism that I was talking about. Right. They're, act, they're acting like there's this big expansion and need for these new facilities, and there really isn't. Um, I'm not, it's kind of a mystery why Miscavige is doing that, other than purely for the public relations of it. So you're going to get this massive new facility out there that will allow people to go. You know, the, the idea is that Canadians can go there rather than to Florida, where they normally have to go to get that high-level exorcism. But, I mean, is there really a demand? It just doesn't make any sense. And the other thing, if you can afford that high-level uh, treatment, exactly. then you can afford to fly down to Florida. Exactly. I mean, it just doesn't, it just make, it makes no sense. Um, it, it kind of feels like he's the scavenger is doing everything he can to hide the fact that they're actually shrinking and going through an internal crisis by building these unnecessary facilities. You know, I gotta say, and I would like your opinions just as we as we finish our time here, guys. Um, and by the way, I really appreciate you both. You must be exhausted from talking to media, so thank you for talking to yet another schmuck like me. But I I would love, and I'm sure lots of people would love this, but I would love just from a, not a, a journalistic point of view, but a, a personal point of view, to sit down with, with uh, David Miscavige and, and have a conversation and, and just just talk. Just talk about sports or golf and not talk about science. Because the reason I say this is because everything I've seen of this gentleman would suggest to me that he has short man's anger disease. Yes, absolutely. And and I I've met many short guy. I'm a tall guy. I'm six four two forty. And these guys, they all have the same kind of thing: short fuse, big bomb. There's just something untrusting about this. I don't know. I just the switch always seems to be on every time I've seen him speak. It seems incredibly canned, incredibly scripted. I've never seen a a um, a more disingenuous human being in my life. Am I wrong? No, I mean, and the thing is, he is a sports fan. He's, he's originally from South Philly. He's a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. And, um, you know, some people like Marty Rathbun and Mike Rinder have experienced that more casual setting with the scavenge and, um, can, and have stories to tell about what he's like. And he's just always on. He's just always... Right. Uh, joking, angry kind of guy, um, and then, but when you and I only see him when he's very canned, I mean, he gave a Nightline interview in 1992, he then gave a, 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 an interview to A&E in 1998, and that's it, nobody's, he's never talked to a journalist since then, and uh, it would be interesting to talk to him, but to try to get him into kind of a, uh, a, a, a really sincere setting would be almost impossible. Yeah, we call that human mode. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I look. I know this sounds incredibly judgmental, and I do have that spiritual gift of judgmentalism. But anyway, I'm going to shut up now because I, it just sounds unfair and, and judgy of me uh, to read someone that I don't even know the way I've read David Miscavige. Um, so. Well, he's got a lot to answer for. I mean, where you know his wife has been banished for almost ten years now. There's what Scientology did to Paulette Cooper, what they did to Jerry Armstrong, the forced abortions they had for decades. 
I mean, these are questions he does not want to answer, and this is why he will not talk to a journalist today. Yeah, yeah. And how well, about the people that have been beaten up? Well, that's... Oh, you want to discuss that? That's, that's really you know, a shocker. We've interviewed a number of people on our show, ex-Scientologists, who, who have claimed that. Uh, yeah, they've, they've just been absolutely... Uh, biatch slapped by uh, by by this guy, and but see, here's the thing, right? I know enough about about people that I, I I'm at the point, guys. I'm sorry, like Tony, you could be the nicest guy in the world, but I still take everything you say with a grain of salt. I, you know, do you hate me for that? <laughs> you need to be skeptical, and that's why I think people are enjoying our book is that it's so filled with research, and you know, this is not. Paulette Cooper's memoir. This is a history with multiple voices. Yeah. I talked to many people who were there at the time. We rely on um, documents and then write it in kind of a novelistic style where things unfold as you're reading it. And I think people are reacting to that, but this is not just someone's memory. There's a lot more to it than that. Wow. Not enough time with you guys. Need to get you back for sure. Tony Ortega, he is the author of The Unbreakable Miss Lovely, How the Church of Scientology Tried to Destroy Paulette Cooper. His uh, website that will take you to all of his other stuff is TonyOrtega.org, O-R-T-E-G-A.org. Paulette Cooper, she is the award-winning journalist, the subject of Tony's book, and the author of The Scandal of Scientology. PaulettCooper.com is her website, and they will both be up here at the Getting Clear conference. GettingClear.co is that website, June 22nd to 26th. Guys, thank you very, very much, and I hope you have a fantastic time up here in Toronto. If you have any time, I'd love to take you up and, and show you horse country and drive you to the new headquarters of Scientology Canada. Be out on the second block. <laughs> <laughs> Good to chat, guys. Bye-bye. All right, folks. <sighs> Tim, I don't know if you can, you can dig this or not, but when it, when it comes to people who are bugged about certain tribal codes or faith systems yep yep ah, i kind of i'm left feeling icky so you're you're feeling icky because of scientologist or you're feeling icky because of how they feel about scientologists there's no resolution i guess right i mean it's it's a bunch of people that are bugged at a bunch of people and i've got nothing to do with either of those people and it just seems to be fodder for the rest of us voyeuristically looking in on oh for sure that's why your show does so well <laughs> No, I completely agree with you, but, you know, the... the like, I would rather hear from... I mean, I, I really, really enjoy... And Tony, my goodness, he's like the top dog in this thing. But I'd rather hear from someone who used to be in the organization and... Well, there's a whole list of them on going no, actually, clear. actually, I mean, hold on, hold just... on. Here's who I would rather hear from. I'd okay. rather hear from a Scientologist about Scientology first. Okay. Then I'd like to hear from someone who used to be a Scientologist and left... And what their experience was, right? Knowing that they're second because they would be tainted with a little bit of "I'm bitter and I'm I'm bugged and I don't like those guys no more," right? And then the third group would of be people, one of these people that we just spoke. Yeah, to. but I mean that's why I picked those two because they seem to be uh, the most legit about this whole thing, right? Yeah, and the most like research. They didn't just you yes. know, blurt out stuff because no. of when you're making money off of you know slamming some other faith group. You, you, yeah, you, know, you kind of got to go. When you're also making money, you know, hundred dollars an hour, holding some sort of electronic equipment over someone's body, claiming <laughs> to get rid of evil aliens, then that's kind of too. Short break. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's. 
It's hard to find quality guest speakers these days. If they're interesting, they're usually expensive. And if they're cheap, they're usually boring. Well, here's someone who's both expensive and boring. Drew Marshall is a high school dropout who tried to become a pro football player but didn't make it. He then tried to become a firefighter and didn't make it. Now he's trying to become a stand-up comic. (laughs) Good luck with that, Mr. Marshall. But if you're looking for someone who's unpredictable, incredibly honest, provocative, genuine, then we've got the right guy. Everyone seems to be an expert on something these days. Why not book someone who's an expert on nothing? Except how to be brutally honest about yourself and your faith. To book Drew Marshall as your guest speaker, go to drewmarshall.ca. (laughs) 